Welcome back, everybody, to another Eat Speed podcast, the most delicious podcast in the Metroplex. I'm Rick Press. Bud Kennedy. And Steve Wilson. And we're joined by Robert Philpot, dining guru from DFW.com. It's been a busy week. It has been. And it's only Tuesday. A lot of turnover. What's been going on, bud? Well, I mean, we've got restaurants closing and uh, for various reasons. There's always the reasons that they announce, and then there's the real reason. You oh, know, okay. You know, market and table. So we're um, going to let Robert tell us who closed, and then you'll tell us the real well, reason. I, I, I'll, just say, I'll just say market and table and Vivo, you know, both go down here within the first couple of days of the week, and, you know, the week's still young. Robert? Oh, and Marketing Table uh, was a restaurant that opened in the West 7th Development in um, September. Market was the front of the restaurant. It was basically the hangout coffee bar where you can get breakfast, where you can get a grab-and-go meal, um, surrounded by apartments. Um, and, uh, you know, the theory being that people would come out of these apartments and get their grab-and-go uh, grab meal or do the hangout thing table was in more in the back and it was more fine dining um and uh the, the concept was a little odd but when i gone there i liked the restaurant um they blamed uh poor foot traffic uh west seventh doesn't seem to be a place that has poor foot traffic although in the morning i can see it but at night you see plenty and on sunday afternoons, saturday afternoons you see plenty of foot traffic yeah they put out a really uh, nasty press release about how it's this wonderful genius concept that suffered due to you know you know very poor foot traffic and lack of support and you know, I mean, Fred's has been around there for 66 years. There's been plenty of foot traffic. Sounds you know, the like other, you're, uh, the, the other restaurants have got. I mean, how many restaurants? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got a bone to pick. You're about, calling I mean, BS on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, the whole deal, the, the whole, the whole story about it's just you know crazy. And, and how many restaurants have ever succeeded where they try to open and say, okay, people are going to come here in the morning and get coffee to go. But then they're going to come back at night and pay $45 for fine dining. How many restaurants have ever succeeded with that kind of a, of a concept? Of course, Fritz is also, it's always very weird to talk about the West 7th area because you have the yeah. West 7th, numeral TH, development. And that's where you have 13 Pies, yeah. um, Crockett Nash, Street. Crockett Street, basically. Yeah. And you but have every restaurant there and, has and essentially been something else they've turned over yeah and then, at least once across Tara's not yeah. across Faux Street you have restaurants that are in the West 7th corridor Faux Street warehouse not part of the West 7th development and the rents in West 7th I don't know the totals but um David Hollister who closed Dagwood's Bar and Grill or a Fire Grill Tap on Faux Street because he lost an investor told me that his rent on Faux Street was something like a third of what it would have been in West 7th. Yeah, the, the rents are sky high. Uh, you know, But now every time there's a new mixed-use development like this, there's always a first generation of restaurants that goes in and goes out. It happened that way at, at Mockingbird Station. It happens that way at, at all these. It takes a few years for it to mature. And, you know, Terra's made it, and 13 Pies has hung in there despite their ownership change. Uh, and the... Uh, and, and the you know the, the restaurants have, have stuck it out, and and you know some of them have done fairly well. Then you got the new ones like Robert, you pointed out, Mashed and Social House. They do good foot traffic. They do good business. Well, and I, I think part of that is because these are restaurants where it is just as much of a bar as a restaurant. Uh, Mashed puts an emphasis on their moonshine drinks. Uh, when I've gone in there, there's been a pretty good scene. Uh, social House, you'll you know they they have an emphasis on beer as well as food. 
And if you go by on a, on a, a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, their patio is packed. Uh, what the previous restaurant there, Brownstone, uh, even though it had uh, you know a big pedigree with Casey Thompson from uh, yeah. Top Chef, I never saw that restaurant packed. Yeah, the, the the food part of that never developed, although they had the pedigree, but they didn't carry it out with the food. Well, should we talk about the new restaurant on Crockett before we go on and talk about Vivo? Uh, the new well, and would you- just to say, follow up on what you were saying about the, the rents in West 7th, particularly on that Crockett Street, that's a frequent refor- refrain that you hear. They're just sky high. They're too expensive. But it's not like people don't know what the rent is when they go in there. I've heard it's somewhere between 40 and $45 a square foot. Right. and But they want to be in the heart of that West 7th district. So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of sympathy. They know what it costs to be there. And, you know, what are they supposed to do? Get a break on their rent because they want to be in the most prime district? And what they're, what these places have learned is they overreached. They weren't going to be able to get the kind of lunch traffic that they might have needed or, you know, dinner traffic in the middle of the week it's sometimes the whole location 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 thing isn't always true so now you have a proven concept cork and pig is it comes in from it's already doing well in in odessa and in san angelo and it's a an operator here philippe armetta from pacific table and press cafe and and uh, the tavern they took over af and b and cork and pig looks like it's going to do well it's a little cheaper than af af and b was the restaurant's been redecorated it's lighter colors and it has a little bit, just like his other restaurants, it has a little bit of everything. Uh, and I, I have not been by Cork and Pig yet. I would have, Andrew Martin, and, one of our fabulous yeah. restaurant contributors, was happened to be there Saturday when they were open, even though I think it was unofficially open. Yeah. yeah, they had announced some on Monday, uh, Virginia Dahlbeck's uh, famous cocktails and enjoyed them. You've uh, not, he, he was yeah, kind of I, impressed. I went there Monday night. Yeah, it, it opened. Uh, Sunday night it opened uh, they were supposed to open Monday and they went ahead and threw the doors open Friday Sunday at five and said we're open so you know I went and grabbed a tuna burger and uh, bacon cheddar biscuits they didn't have the pizza dough ready yet but everything else was <laughs> it was it was a equivalent to it, it was it was like you know Pacific Table beats the tavern you know with, with uh, you know probably more of a Pacific Table kind of ambiance and a and, you know, everything I got, I got a, a salad and a tuna burger and a dessert, and it was, you know, under 30 bucks, and I was pretty happy. Speaking of pizza, you like that segue? <laughs> uh, Vivo 53 also uh, announced that it's closing this week, right, Robert? Robert uh, it announced uh, today, basically, there's a sign on the door saying closed indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And they're blaming, I believe, it was uh, management problems, if I recall. Muerto 53, I guess, is yeah, what we're up yeah, to mm-hmm. now. But the, the, but the, the, they said management problems, and, and, the, uh, and, the, that, and there had been some management problems. If you look at the social media and the reviews and the comments by people lately, there were people who said, I love this when it opened. The service now is horrible. I went for this giant Sunday bigger than your head. It was their new promotion, and it took us an hour to get here, and uh, yeah, everything was fine except the ice cream tasted, you know, just there. The people on social media, even the people who love the restaurant, had noticed the downturn. But uh, Silent C- Silent Steve is shedding <laughs> a, a tear because he liked that place, right? I, I like their lunches. Uh, they uh, changed their lunch menu recently, and and it was actually a reasonable lunch price. They were used to be a little high, but now they were like ten dollars, including a drink, which was was a, a decent price. Well, and I think and I think Bud has pointed this out. This is one of the problems with the restaurant. It was open in uh, February 20, 2015, 
and yet it, it just never seemed to stop evolving. It kept on trying to find a groove. Uh, I like the pizzas there. I, I thought the you know the, the thin pizza with a kind of a thick chewy crust. I, I I like that, but you can find that pizza elsewhere in Fort Worth. Well, they changed their name before they ever opened. They changed from Vivo Fifty Three to Vivo Fifty Three Italian to Vivo Fifty Three Pizza, and they weren't quite sure what they were. And then the pizza came, and it was you know it was a really good pizza, you know. But the the, the menu was mostly Italian food terms, and and it. It was, you know, it was not something people wanted to deal with. Uh, it, uh, it was a, a concept. Obviously, this was a dry run. They have a restaurant in California. This was a dry run for whatever they're going to do in the future. It's a and tough they, they made a lot of mistakes. Too, I mean, on that backside of the tower, it's kind of a tough spot. Uh, anything that's been back there has been forgotten mostly by downtown it, residents. It, it, it's like you can walk up. Um, Taylor Street, which is on that side of the tower, and not see any foot traffic, and go a block east to Throckmorton and see people walking up and down. And the right. restaurants on that side of uh, the tower um, have thrived, with the exception of our lovely SOB burritos. Yeah, that was just a bad idea, as <laughs> Bud, Bud said so well the other time <laughs> on, on previous podcasts. But I work. just think, you know, anybody who goes into that space is going to have a tough. Uh, job of attracting customers unless well, the food is just off the charts good which it wasn't necessarily at Vivo. 53. The vault had a popular bar crowd right. and enough of a night spot crowd but didn't have the food or service to sustain what it was doing. This place had better food but didn't develop as a late night bar crowd and didn't sustain the service level. Meanwhile Cantino Laredo which is just on the other side does is always crowded. Well, does yeah. really well. Whenever, a, whenever a Tex-Mex restaurant closes, we'll have a special podcast. To a, we'll have like eighteen point letters. Tex-Mex restaurant closes <laughs> in Fort Worth, Texas, because it happens like once a year. You know, exactly. well, of course, you have a, a more established Italian restaurant, Taverna, that's just a block away, and it's also on the busy side of of, uh, of the street. And um, and then Avanti just recently opened, and it's another Italian themed restaurant. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of these three is spectacular, but it just it does seem to be kind of a glut of, uh, of mid-price, moderate, moderately priced Italian restaurants in, in within walking distance of one another. Well, one of the things about Fort Worth's food scene sort of evolving and getting more high profile is, is there's more people who want to come in and take their crack at it, but there's also going to be the survival of the fittest. There's going to be places that as we're seeing or go down more quickly they realize this isn't going to work we were talking earlier about uh that cursed spot in the montgomery plaza steve was at king crab i think mm -hmm. is what it's called and he's there's a uh, taking bets on how much longer king crab <laughs> is going to be around that would be the fourth or fifth restaurant to to give it a go in that spot mm -hmm. next to the sushi axiom um but probably not going to make it then of course kin kin is now going to be a ramen shop, right, mm -hmm. from Jesus Garcia. Right, and that seems to me, you know, there's a Hanabi just down the street, and if they're spending that much money on rent, it's going to, I can't see how that's going to work. But right. hopefully then, it will, I mean, because I like ramen. <laughs> Robert also reported about Revolver Taco moving off of West 7th. They've mm -hmm. had a, a long back and forth with their landlord about whether they, should they stay or should they go. Now they're moving into the... Old Syrah place. The old Syrah spot on Forest Park, which also doesn't have the greatest track record. And, yeah, it's 
Syrah was a I, I like Syrah a lot, but I think Bud was right. He said really wasn't uh, right for the neighborhood, and you have a lot more neighborhoody walk up inexpensive restaurants right around it. You've got um, Tommy's and uh, the Italian restaurant Macaluso's. Is that right? Macaluso's, and, yeah. People um, go there for and Greek, Greek, Greek house, one of the better the street, pizza yeah. and pasta. Yeah, it's a, the neighborhood really owns that. That uh, really takes a lot of possession of that little property at Forest Park and Park Hill, and it needs to be a drop-in Tuesday, Thursday night place. And that's true of a lot of the places along Magnolia, too. You see a lot less turnover there than you do on West 7th, for sure. Oh, I think that's a big thing because a lot of those uh, Magnolia restaurants are owned by Southside residents or run by Southside residents, and the Southsiders will support their own. And and they work together a lot, too. Um, you know, you'll, you will see the restaurateurs there actually helping each other out. Uh, mm-hmm. Vance Martin, who, worked at Lily, who uh, runs Lily's Bistro, I was sitting outside Nonatata with my wife one night. We had a bottle of wine. Uh, we were waiting to get into Nonatata, which is just like two doors down from Lily's. Vance walked out, started talking to us, and he said, uh, I'll bring you a couple of glasses so you can have the wine. Just bring it back to Lily's. And he, he said, I, you know, we, we work together. We don't like to compete here. You well, know? in the usual bar, I would, I would, Nonatato would bring dinners and set them up in the usual, you know, and things like that. And the, yeah, and the, most, the biggest place to learn about Magnolia restaurants is on the Fairmount Neighborhood Facebook page. Oh, okay. Well, there is no Montgomery Plaza West 7th Neighborhood okay. Facebook page where everybody just, you know, raves and gives uh, – yeah, and takes – you know, personal pride in the survival of those restaurants. And, and, and there, in that area, although you have condos, I think you've got a lot of renters, and they're not really invested in the in the neighborhood as much as these Southside residents who are actually owning their houses. Also. There's also no chains really on Magnolia to speak of. I mean, you know, Conorosa is the closest. Yeah, um, but that that's a locally owned. I mean, yeah. and certainly the only uh, location of that here in Fort Worth, and Heim. It's getting ready to Heim come in over there. Coming that that ought to be interesting to see what Heim happens Heim Barbecue is very, they're very um, uh, secretive about when their opening will be, but the, the workers in there say sometime within the next two to three weeks. I definitely Heim see people going by and stalking and, and you know, s- sticking their head in there to see what, what's going on with construction. There's definitely going to be, uh, there was a piece on the Guide Live about places that people line up the top 10 places where people line up uh, and i think heim is definitely going to end up being one of those places it's just impressive to see the smokers out back where they mm-hmm. like yeah, put three really. big smokers in and then a big box all around them to protect them from being stolen and then big smoke retrieval equipment on top of that mm-hmm. so fairmount doesn't become smoke mount you know <laughs> and it's 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 going to be an impressive venture and that's not far from spiral diner We don't want any smell of of smoked uh, barbecue over there. Uh, Travis told me he would have um, some vegetarian dishes on the menu, and he said he's pretty proud of the the veggie sides he's going to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 he's going to be a success. I'm I'm not predicting anything bad there. That's going to be that's going to be boomtown. Any more openings and closings we should know about, Robert? Speaking of Magnolia, I checked out Bentley's, which is a new hot dog, um, crepes, and craft coffee place uh, this morning. (laughs) Wow. um, Crepes and hot dogs. They opened opened yesterday, and um, they – the hot dog is – I had the – they have a bent me hot dog, which is basically a bon me take on a hot dog, and Mm. it was was good, and it was filling, and – I often am disappointed with hot dogs because I think they're so small that you really don't get what you pay for. 
Um, right now, there's uh, no place to sit in the place. They have a kind of a standing bar area. They said they're going to get stools in, but right now, it's, it, I kind of liked it. It's sort of an urban feel. You stand there, eat your hot dog. I, I had a book with me. Um, they have Where a, is it on Magnolia? It's right next to Ellerby. It's just oh. to the west of Ellerby. And um, they have a patio area that they're, they haven't developed yet. They're still waiting for some approval from the city. Um, to uh, to get that done, and uh, I understand. I know Carrie uh, Crosser, Melt Ice Creams, has talked about the difficulty in working with the city. She's moving from Rosedale to Magnolia, and there's a there's so many problems she has. She's had with permits. So I I feel like with the staff and the food, Bentley's is ready to go. But I I wonder about opening before you've got seating. Getting it okay, you know. Taco Heads had to negotiate with the city to. I have the taco cafe and the bar in the other building and adjoin the two properties and all that. That all, yeah, there, there are certain building rules that the city, you know, it, sometimes restaurateurs don't quite know what they have to do to meet the permit. And it took Taco Heads like three or four months. To get it all ironed to get out. All, and they, they basically had to close temporarily to meet the deadline. It took them, and also they needed support of the, of the Neighborhood Association, which is very important. The Neighborhood Association likes Taco Heads and went to bat for them and said, will you help these people? So, so. I was in Bentley's at, at around noon, and there was a steady stream of customers in this. It's, it's a very small place. Um, and uh, there was a steady stream of customers, and you could tell a lot of these people were Southsiders wanting to check it out. And you're going to check out Bootleggers also? Yeah, that, that bar. It's I, more of a bar. Yeah, it's a bar, and it has been very popular with the Southsiders. They're having a little um, get-to-know-you celebration tomorrow night, uh, so I'll be checking that out. And then there's a new uh, grilled cheese restaurant in Hearst. It's an odd place for a, for a new concept. It's uh, it's in a new shop strip center behind the Quick Trip on Hearst Boulevard, when you turn off 820 on Texas 10, like you're going to Bell Helicopter on the old highway there, there's a new little strip center behind the QT, and there's a, a grilled cheese shop there called Grain and Dairy, and it has like eight breads and 12 cheeses and 20 ingredients <laughs> that you can put in your grilled cheese, and it's it's just a little counter service place. Uh, they have they have bottle of artisan sodas. Uh, they don't have cups or ice, which kind of, you know, we, you know it was it was a little weird to me to, to drink a a a nice you know uh, custom tea, you know blackberry tea, but would not have any ice to pour it into. But <laughs> but the, the the sandwiches are tremendous choices, and and um, you know I, I may not have chosen the best one. I chose the chicken pesto on sourdough, and and uh, I may not have, I may not have picked right but there's a lot to pick from so they have they have meat it's just not cheese so. they have a, they have a lot they have meat they have chicken and sausages and you know, a, you know Italian this gr- is the everything is third grilled cheese restaurant in Tarrant mm-hmm. County and that's not counting the Gorgonzilla mm-hmm. um, food truck that does grilled cheese all and the ones who have been to them all say Lee's is still the best but they they have a great hope for this new one mm-hmm. what about Spudwinkle's deli I, I have been uh, visiting Spudwinkles, which is um, kind of a surprise. It's a, it's a small place in a former uh, Mexican Dale. fast food uh, restaurant, uh, restaurant on Rosedale. He was doing good catering. He, and um, you, you hear the name Spudwinkles and you think potatoes, as you should, and the um, baked potatoes there, which are topped at a barbecue one. Uh, we've, there's uh, several different ones that are 
the size of a of a small football. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think uh, any reasonably talented uh, NFL quarterback could probably throw these about sixty yards. Um, but they also do pastas. They do a massive quesadilla called a quesadilla, and uh, they do uh, sandwiches, including a, a Reuben that had some of the most uh, potent sauerkraut I think I've ever had, and I'm half Czech, so I've eaten a lot of sauerkraut. <laughs> you've eaten a lot of hot dogs. You've eaten a lot of sauerkraut. <laughs> I've eaten bugs. It just yeah. And bugs. Like last mm-hmm. podcast, you had bugs. That's exactly right. Well, what about the natural grocer, Bud? Do you know much about them? That's uh, across from Montgomery. It sounds like it's going to be kind of a bigger version of a sunflower shop with a lot of all organic, organic and, uh, a lot of all organic and devotedly so. Uh, it's a nice new uh, grocer chain that's going to be kind of a surprise, and you know a lot of nuts and grains, and um, it'll be a nice little delight on West Seventh until the big Tom Thumb opens. The big, you know, urban Tom Thumb is going to open across from Chewy's and. That's going to be the the Bigfoot grocery in that market. And still, Dean and DeLuca hasn't spilled yet on where they're going to. They well, uh, you know, they are negotiating. I know, I know that the, the uh, university, not University Park, but West Bend, there has talked with them. Fresh uh, market, where space. a fresh market used to be, mm-hmm. and I know that even Sundance Square has has talked with them, and I don't know who else has. So, but they haven't locked in yet, as far as I know. Now, I waited Not in yet. line. Speaking of waiting in lines, I waited in line on Sunday, Father's Day. This was my third time trying to get a gluten-free donut at uh, Funky Town Donuts. Apparently, they sell out every time. They make eight dozen, I think, because you have, they have to use a separate fryer. And I was in line at 745 with, another, with about 20 other people, and I finally got my first gluten-free donut. They had, um, not to change because I want to hear if you liked it, but the, they had gluten-free uh, pancakes and French toast on the cast iron uh, Omni Fort Worth Sunday Father's Day buffet. Yeah. The Father's Day buffet totally rocked, and they had a gluten-free breakfast bread section. My, and that sort of dovetails with what I was going to say, is most gluten-free bread products I've tried are awful. And so... <laughs> <laughs> That said, the Funky Town Donuts were good. They were not as good as a gluten-filled donut, (laughs) which, you know, it didn't make me think I was going to wait in line every Sunday so I could get some gluten-free donuts. But for the fact that very few places, if any, offer gluten-free donuts, they they do it, and they also do it in interesting flavors, though. They had one that was called Hawaiian that had some toasted coconut, and they had a brambleberry. So, you know, it's not just an afterthought. They're actually doing it pretty well. And, and you know, um, very smartly, they're now limiting people to buying six gluten-free donuts because I think enough it's people, have, hoarding, they, huh? if yeah, people have the same experience on. I did. is like yeah. someone would come in and buy two, three dozen of them, and yeah. then, you know, the whole rest of the day, people were showing up trying to get the gluten-free donuts, and they were out. So, thankfully— they're limiting them to six, and so I got mine, and and I was glad to say that they were they were good, they were at, solid. At uh, this is not gluten free, but at Crunch Donut in Arlington, the new like uh, you know extreme donut place, they now have a sign up saying you have to call in advance to get like two dozen donuts. It's, yeah, it's, well, and and Funky Town is a tiny place. I mean, yeah. it's six hundred square feet, and so you know if somebody comes in there and wants to buy four dozen donuts, that's gonna send them for a loop and it's also going to mean that all the other people online aren't going to you know 
necessarily get the flavors that they wanted. So well, I went to Billy's uh, Oak Acres Barbecue uh, uh, Sunday. That was gluten free, and it that yeah, yeah the, the ribs, ribs are gluten free, gluten free and uh, and they were slammed and and apparently there's a lot of people coming in buying out the ribs. And he said he went through like 23 racks of ribs. That was almost all to go, and they were you know people were buying them out like like two hours they were out. But Sunday is a good day to go there because when you get your food because you know, they close early on Sunday and the sooner they run out of food the sooner they close so when you get your food the portions are huge the cooks are I mean you're getting a, like a pulled pork sandwich that has doubled the amount of meat you know and oh because they want to close you because yeah yeah, they, yeah, the, yeah I was, uh, Billy was sitting at the table with me and uh, Susan got her pulled pork sandwich and looking at it and going like oh my god there's a whole pig on here and, and he looked at it yeah they want to close early <laughs> Well, there's a little secret for you right there. Maybe we don't want Billy O'Gakers to close, right. though, the restaurant, <laughs> unlike some of these other places that unfortunately have said farewell. And we've gone on too long, so we'll say farewell. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. Once was a sweet thing.